Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. And back in uh, Florida, little uh, weather update for the first time in our history in northern Ontario at Christmas, there was no snow. It was a green and plus uh, about 50 degrees. And then as soon as we left, we got a foot and a half of snow. <laughs> so um, we're continuing on. I had the privilege in November, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, to open up this series on uh, prophecy. And at the time, we did an overview generally and talked about deception in the last days. And um, um, I enjoyed uh, studying this, uh, uh, you know, this vast topic. And believe me, in a short period of time, which we have this morning, uh, Malcolm and the elders have asked me to preach on Revelation 14, 15. I don't know why we're skipping 16 uh, and 17. So uh, it's been a challenge to try and keep a guy like me into a, a short uh, little time in such a big topic. But I pray that as we go through this and we hit some of the highlights, that you will be encouraged. And I can tell you that I've been greatly encouraged uh, uh, reading this. Isn't it interesting as we look at prophecy and, you know, listen, I can tell you that probably every generation of Christians in the last couple of thousand years, have said the same thing. Uh, that the Lord is coming soon. That is, um, that is sure, isn't it? But we are living in exciting times. We sure are. It takes wisdom, actually, to live in the times in which we live. Because there is so much deception going on out there. So let's read uh, a few uh, verses here. And uh, then we will we will look at uh, this in a in a in a you know a, a panoramic view of these three chapters. Let me start by reading a few verses in Revelation chapter 14. Now uh, I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Then I looked Revelation chapter 14 and verse one, and there uh, before me was the Lamb. Standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud uh, pearl of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of the harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song. Uh, before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Uh, these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths, and they are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, 
fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, uh, fallen is Babylon the great, which has made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. And let's stop there, and uh, we'll be doing a little bit more reading, but uh, let's just stop there, and we'll put this into context, and let us pray before we do that. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for this uh, time. We thank you for the word. Uh, Father, we thank you that we have your uh, precious word, Father, that tells us of future events. And Father, we just pray this morning as we, uh, Father, look into thy word, look into these prophecies, Father, that you would remind us of the soon return of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So here we have chapter 14. Sort of gives us an introduction of the last part of the entire prophecies found in the Gospel of John. Now, I don't know exactly what happened here in the last uh, several weeks, but if chapter 13, I'm, I'm assuming, was, was covered, then you learned about the... Uh, it, 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 chapter 13 really is uh, a defining chapter in the book of Revelation because it's there that um, the Antichrist is revealed. We know from Revelation chapter 6 that the Antichrist comes onto the scene as a man of peace. He will be um, a, a man that will bring, imagine this, especially in our day and age when we think of the, uh, the way the world is today and especially in that hot spot of the Middle East, imagine someone coming, Revelation chapter 6, and making peace in the Middle East. There hasn't been a president, I believe, since the 1940s that hasn't tried to, to make peace in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, temporarily getting some accords, but never anything that lasted. There will be someone coming on the scene who will be a man of peace. In Revelation chapter 6, riding on a white horse. And you know what? You get to Revelation chapter 13, and now the gloves come off. We read in chapter 12 that Satan himself is cast out of heaven and he knows that his time is short and you read in Revelation chapter 13 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 and then Revelation chapter 19 you see God's plan unfolding for the end times uh, there's a masquerade I firmly believe uh, that we will not be here. I, I know that this assembly teaches that. 
that we're not appointed unto wrath. There's a special time, a special dispensation that is meant for the world, is meant for the nation of Israel. God will deal with that nation again. He has not forgotten them. He has preserved that nation in spite of all the opposition of Satan who would have loved to have destroyed the nation of Israel. God will deal with that nation again. It's not the church. We're not here. It's interesting because we're brought in Revelation chapter 14 to heaven. We see uh, John going back and forth in the book of Revelation between earth and heaven. And we read this morning of, in, in Revelation chapter 14 of the... Uh, a scene in heaven of 144,000. Uh, we read in Revelation chapter 7 about these 144,000. The Jehovah Witnesses think it's them. It's not. Um, you know, it's true. I, I've had many discussions. A lot of my patients, I love them, but a lot of my patients are Jehovah Witnesses. I, I love to uh, to share the gospel with them. And uh, this 144,000 is, you know, I said, did you make it? Because they're not part of the, you see, you, you know, you can imagine when they started this cult uh, back, uh, you know, a hundred and something years ago, uh, they looked at this passage in, in, in Revelation and said, oh, that's us, right? I don't know how they got that when it comes out of all the tribes of Israel. Very clear in Revelation 17. But anyways, as cults do, uh, they started this movement and they said, we're the ones, 144,000. They got into trouble when 144,000 of them got deceived. And now, uh-oh, you know, there's no more room, right? So they have a class that will live in heaven. Revelation chapter 14, that's what they say. And the rest of them are going to live on the, on, on, on the earth. And, um, you know... Anyway, we read about the true 144,000, though. We get this scene in Revelation chapter 14 of uh, these Jewish evangelists that were sent out in the first half of the tribulation, in the first three and a half years, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that many millions of people will be saved in the end times. They'll get saved the way you and I got saved, if you're saved here today. And that's by faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone in Him. They will preach the gospel. It looks like they got uh, martyred uh, in... Uh, in the preaching of the gospel, they got persecuted, and now we see them in heaven. And they're singing a new song. You know, we, it was part of our theme this morning at the Lord's Supper was singing a new song. I came from a family that loved to sing. Uh, I had uh, sisters, uh, a brother that could sing, like could have made a living, I mean it. Uh, such good. So we sang, a, but we sang the world songs. Uh, my grandchildren, I, I, they like to hear grandpa sing 
some of the old songs that we used to sing when we were kids, you know. And uh, I can entertain them for quite a while, singing these old songs, because I memorized them as a kid. And uh, I can still sing them, uh, but I won't uh, bore you this morning. But, you know, 35 years ago, uh, a little bit less than that, uh, I, I, I got a new song that was put in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And uh, I, I, I love this scene in heaven. They're at, they're at a city. Uh, I've got, an ad- I've got two addresses. And, uh, you know, it's always good to memorize your address. You get asked a lot, especially security. Where do you live, right? You know, you're on the phone talking to uh, AT&T or whatever. Where do you live, right? They want to just make sure you know where you You know, it's a security question. Well, I have a Florida address, and I have a, an address back in Canada, and I've memorized them too. But, folks, i got an address that I know where I'm going to spend eternity And it is in the new city of Jerusalem. You read all about it in uh, Revelation chapter 21. And I was talking to Peter uh, this morning. And he's going to talk about heaven tonight. Uh, He's going to talk about my new place. That God is... uh, Jesus said, if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you that where I am you may be with me also. Isn't that a great? I know where I'm going to live in eternity. It's, uh, it's getting ready as we speak. You see, they were lifted up into heaven. That city, by the way, Mount Zion, the city, the new Jerusalem it's called in Revelation chapter 21, is actually there now. It's going to be brought down. After the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this planet, we know this, right, from reading uh, the book of Revelation, that this world, uh, as we see it, uh, you know, there's some beautiful parts in the world, isn't there? Really. You look at what God created, uh, just this planet. He created it, by the way, for us. Do you know that this planet is the only planet that has gravity? There's a reason for that. Because God created this planet for you and for me. That we would rule over it. Of course, we forsook the rule of it. And now the God of this planet, the God of this age, um, is in charge. Of course, ultimately, God, our God, is in charge. He's allowing this to happen. But that city one day is going to come down after God has destroyed the current earth that we live in. So I don't care if you have a blue box or whatever you believe in. It don't matter because it's not going to last. This isn't the eternal planet that God has planned for us. He's going to destroy it with fire. He destroyed it once with water and the next time he will destroy it with fire. It's going to go up in smoke. So we read here in Revelation chapter 14. About these 144,000, we hear about a few angels, and let me just spend a minute. One of them cries out uh, that uh, about Babylon, and we're going to spend the vast majority of our time speaking about Revelation chapter 17, the fall of Babylon. It comes in two parts. Part one is 17, 
And that's the religious Babylon. We'll spend our uh, majority of time on that this morning. And then whenever the next brother does, I'm assuming, Malcolm, unless you guys decided to skip 18, uh, they will do Revelation 18. And Revelation 18 is the political and commercial Babylon. Very interesting, very exciting to look at the world the way it is today and seeing these things are already in place. Folks, we live in exciting times. And God does not want us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to be asleep. God wants us to be sober. Sober is the, the, the exact opposite of being drunk. And the people of the world today who are floating on the Titanic, heading towards an iceberg that will destroy this world, are drunk, just like they were on the Titanic a uh, hundred years ago uh, and more. Right? That's the world today. But God does not want us to be ignorant of these things. He has given us these prophecies so that you and I can be awake. So that you and I can be watching and be alert and looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, he's coming first to the air. That's the church. I'll teach you some French. Babaylo. That's French. The law is French. That's us. We're going to go in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to hear a shout and the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain. That's a hope, isn't it? Shall be caught up together to be with them and to be with our Lord forever. And then this takes place. So we hear an angel saying, Babylon, Babylon has fallen. We'll come to that in a minute. There's another angel that is sent out. Interesting to me that the first time that this, I believe, is proclaimed in the Bible, where an angel is actually preaching the gospel. Now, I don't know what you think, uh, Necessarily, and I, in all due respect, I often find Calvinists have trouble when they come to the gospel. Meaning that, and we know that there's the sovereignty of God, absolutely. And there is the free will of man. I believe they're both in the Bible. I preach them both. We come to Revelation and chapter 14, and we see here, you see, the gospel is our job, isn't it? Not one of us is in this room that if you're saved, it's not me that is supposed to preach the gospel to your family, to your friends, to the people you work with, the people that you go to school with. And I love these little kids because it's a great time for kids to bring the gospel uh, while people's hearts are tender. 
But we see God's heart even in the midst of the tribulation where the world has gone absolutely insane and yet God's heart is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to the repentance and the knowledge of the truth. So we read about the angel bringing the gospel to the world. The three and a half years, now the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble has come. And yet the gospel is still going out. And then it's interesting that the gospel, and this is something that you and I would find practical, is I, I, I share this to you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, for this reason. Is that the gospel that the, um, the angel preached here was the gospel to pagans. What is that? You see, Paul, when he spoke to the Jews, the Jews had a great knowledge, and he brought the gospel in a different light. Because they had such a good background. But today, folks, and coming, the world knows very little of our God. The gospel that uh, we, of course, the gospel of creation. It's a good idea to start right there. You see, I was a pagan. I was an evolutionist. Confirmed. Argue. Hated Christians. Ignorant. Unscientific. That was me. The gospel that was preached to me that took root in my heart was the gospel of creation that God, and that's what the angel is saying, proclaiming to the world. The God of creation. The God of creation. The very first time that after I got saved, the very first passage that God confirmed to me that I was saved is Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the first message I heard two days old in the Lord. Never heard. Never heard anybody preach before that. Never. But I heard that. God confirmed in my spirit. Here I am, a, a, a pagan, uh, an evolutionist. And God spoke to my heart about, and you know what? I remember saying this on October the 16th in 1982. When the preacher opened up the Bible and said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here I was. I wrote a book on evolution. And here I am sitting in a pew, two days old in the Lord. God confirmed to my heart. And I said, you know what, God? I believe that. You have no idea, Christian. There are so many Christians that go through life and they, because they don't understand everything about God, it keeps them. It neutralizes them. They, they, they are filled with questions and questions and questions. What does this mean and what does that mean and why this and why that? Did God really say in seven, you know, in six days he created? You know what? I remember settling it. 
settling it in my heart. I believe it. And God's equation of faith, Christian, is this. You believe what I say, and then I will show you more. Because if you're stuck, and you might be here this morning, and you're, you know what? Science has impressed your brain. And I've met many a Christian who've been railroaded in science, in their mind, that, oh, you know, evolution is true, but God's true. And they wrestle, and they wrestle, and they wrestle, and they can't come to it. And God said, well, you know what? You want to be a fool? I'll let you be a fool. Now, God's not asking you to kiss your brains goodbye. But you will not see, unless you come with it like a child, and you say, yes, I believe. Every word of this book, I believe. Now, God honors that faith. And God will show you. God will show you more. But don't say, God, show me. No, God will say, no, you believe what I showed you. And then I'll show you more. Uh, so many of them. So the gospel goes out. Proclaimed in Revelation chapter 14. Because that's God's heart. Not wanting that any should perish. That all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. On earth, on heaven, is up there. That's what's happening. Worship. They're always with the Lamb. Absent in the body. Present with the Lord. Never going to be separated ever again from Him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And they put a new song in their mouth and they were singing praises unto our God. And then we read about wrath. God allows the Antichrist now to rise up to uh, control the world's economy. And all these things are going to happen. And But God's wrath now is going to come forth. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Rather, I want to spend the rest of our time on Revelation chapter 17. So turn there uh, with me. And we're just going to read a few verses here. And we're going to go over a couple of points on uh, Revelation 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters with her kings of the earth, committing adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. What is this? Who is this? I think it's important when you look at Babylon to understand the history of Babylon, to understand the leaders of Babylon, to understand what we're talking about here. So let me just give you a brief um, sort of a short note version of uh, why Babylon. Now the history of Babylon is is quite interesting. Wasn't long. It's interesting, isn't it? Here's Noah. I was reading this, and, I, and it, it, it always it grips my heart. 
And that is how fast people get away from God. Here we have Noah, the judgment, eight were saved, right? Noah and his family. Imagine, he preached for 120 years and nobody got saved except his family. And then his boys, three sons, right? And, 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 and they're, we're part of that genealogy there. That's left. But it doesn't take long as you look at the descendants of, of, of Ham, which Cush and Nimrod were part of. And already, here's Nimrod, the founder of the modern civilization, the city of Babylon. Who was Nimrod? He was a mighty warrior. He was a, he was a God-hater. And in in Genesis chapter 11, we see uh, under the influence of Nimrod, the world coming together at the Tower of Babel with one common goal. We're going to reach heaven and we're going to do it our way. You see, folks, never forget this, that the world loves religion. So when I say pagan, I was a pagan. Remember, uh, I was born into a very religious family. And culturally, I was still part of that religion, even though I didn't believe really in God uh, or whatever. But you see here Nimrod, who is a picture of the Antichrist, getting the world together, and uh, making a name for themselves. Anytime, folks, you read about Babylon, you will read it in opposition to God. You will re- read of power and of might, but always against God. Another leader, it's interesting, go through the history of Babylon. Babylon, remember, was the head of gold that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 2. You know, the, the world of Babylon in the time of Daniel was the greatest kingdom that ever existed in the history uh, to that time of the world. Powerful. The city itself of Babylon. The gardens of Babylon, they didn't have to leave. They could live within that city. It was one of the great wonders of the world. But it's always a picture. And here was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who God used to come and and to punish the Israelites, the nation of Judah. And remember, he brought Daniel and he brought Shadrach and Meshach, Abednego, brought them over, all the young at first. And then he just leveled Jerusalem. And... uh, Always in opposition to God. And we see in Daniel chapter 4, we see Nebuchadnezzar. What a chapter. That Daniel has another dream. And he sees Nebuchadnezzar getting cut down. And Nebuchadnezzar, who was proud, walked down a year after getting that prophecy from Daniel, was walking around on the walls of 
of, of that city that seemed to be impregnable, that was, uh, you could race six chariots on the, uh, right along the walls that went for uh, miles and miles of a wall, couldn't get in, didn't need to get out. And he looked at it and said, look what I've done. And God put him right down to the ground. And then you read about another leader of Babylon, and that is the Antichrist himself. And, you, and, he, and, he, and we read about him in, in, in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, you see he's desperate. He uh, uses the actual, um, in Revel- we, what we read here in Revelation chapter 17, he uses religion. You see, to capture the world, you have to have religion to capture the world. You know, and uh, we know at the three and a half year mark, at the abomination of desolation, that the Antichrist wants to be worshipped. Satan wants to be worshipped. That was always his goal. It would cause the rebellion in heaven before the, even this planet ever existed. There was a rebellion and Satan is a rebel. He wanted to be worshipped. And he gets his wish. Because the, 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 the religion of Babylon, the, the bride of Christ is us, the church. You see the imagery? The religion of Babylon is called the great harlot, the whore. Four times in the book of Revelation chapter 17, it's called the harlot. It seduces people. That's what a harlot does. It seduces the world into uh, following after the Antichrist. That's what we're reading about in Revelation chapter 17. Folks, the world will come together in one religion, and it will not be Christian. So you know what? I I hear politicians in the U.S. of A. We don't talk about this in Canada, by the way. And by the way, can I tell you, you guys don't know this because you don't care (laughs) about Canada. Be honest. We had a born-again prime minister and his cabinet. We had them for 10 years in Canada. They were a real friend of Israel. But we're a little nation. You know, we're 35 million people. That's the state of California. That's Canada. We're your northern neighbors, unless you didn't know that. Okay? But I hear politicians in the States. I love American politics. And then, you know, oh, that guy heard yesterday the erosion of the Christian society, the U.S. of A. And no more prayer in the school and no more this and no more that. Folks, listen. We live in Canada. We haven't had that in a century almost. Right? We're so liberal up there. Okay? And we just elected a, a movie star. Okay? We did. He's a movie star. He's good looking. That's why he got elected. I'm telling you. And you wouldn't believe how liberal he is. 
on every topic that you could name. But folks, I'm not praying for this world. Don't try and change the world. Because you read about it. Don't try and change it. Don't try and, oh, I wish America was more Christian. Why? Why? What you want is for people to get saved. And for people to come out of their religion. You don't want just, oh, you know what, you get the oozy goozies or whatever it is. When you feel, oh, we just were, if we were more Christian. No, it's part of God's plan. I tell you, folks, it's coming. It's coming. I want to give you four things. You Google these, if you don't believe me. Four statements that the Pope made in 2015. Go Google them yourself. To see if the world religion isn't coming. Now, listen. If you're Catholic here today, don't come up to me afterwards. And, ah, you know, you're, you're picking on the Catholics. Well, I was one. My, my grandmother went to Mass seven days a week, 4.30 Mass. I loved that woman with all my heart. I was closer to my grandmother than I was to my own mother. And she raised me up. And that woman, every day, Mass. So I know, I know the Mass in French, I know it in Latin, and I know it in English, even today. That's how I got brought up. So don't come to me and tell me that I've offended you. I'm here to offend you. <laughs> I am. Because if I'm going to tell you the truth. If the truth is offensive, then Jesus offended you. Because he looked at the religious people of his time. And he said, you are of the Father. Your Father's the devil. And those people knew the Old Testament by rote. And that's who we took on. So I'm not angry, folks. I'm not angry. I'm not angry with you, but I'm angry with a religion that gripped my family. I'm angry with a religion that gripped them. I tell this day, I can't get in. My father, who wrote me out of his will. Because I preached at my mother's funeral. And I preached at my sister's funeral. And I preached at my brother's funeral. It killed my dad. I'm angry about that. Four things that the Pope has said. In the last year. He said this. Quote, you can look it up if you don't believe me. The number one problem, quote, in the world, according to the new Pope, 2015, he said this, is climate change. It's the number one problem in the world. You don't think they're not getting together, folks? I don't know what you think about climate change. I really don't care. I call it weather. (laughs) You guys in Florida, you might get... You know, you, you know, you don't get any changes. You know, like I saw Jessica today. She had a scarf around her neck. Rosie and I were laughing. Because we said, she'll, well, we know, Jessica, this is winter for you folks, right? No, it's not. Winter is where we live. Remember I showed you. I live in Sudbury. There's the North Pole where Santa Claus lives. 
Come down a little bit, Sudbury. That's where I live. Okay? That's. And climate change. No, it's not weather. Okay, doesn't matter. But he said it's the biggest problem in the world. Speaking to Muslims, Buddhists, Buddhist Sikhs, in the USA, when he was here, he was in New York, here's what he did. He did a mass and then he prayed with all of them and said, we all worship the same God. Hello? I got trouble with that. If you are an atheist, quote, if you are an atheist and you are a good person, he said, I will see you in heaven. Quote. Look it up before you come and want to bounce me. Fourth, speaking about creation and evolution, he said this. What do you think God has? A magic wand? He said, of course evolution is true. God put it in place, but he didn't have the magic wand. God didn't have the power to do, speak the world into existence. I'm quoting him. Folks, listen to me. I promise to close. The world's religion is antichrist. It's not what I learned when I was saved. Sola Scriptura. Folks, if it ain't in the Bible, then it's not from God. That's me. That's this place. That's why I love it, right? Because, what it, what it, you know, when, when I did it in November and I talked about uh, what was uh, going to happen is that we looked at the Bible and what it had to say about deception in the last days and the greatest deception of the last days is coming to a church near you. It's already here. And that is, oh, you know what? Let's leave some of these doctrinal issues aside as we come together in unity. I tell you, folks, you, and, 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 and the Bible is very clear, that people will not put up with sound teaching. They won't put up with it. They want to have their ears tickled. So, don't say, you know, don't say, you know, uh, same-sex marriage is bad. Who are you to judge? I hear that all the time. drives me insane. Because they take Matthew chapter 7 and said, you're not supposed to judge, Tony. I said, read the whole thing. <laughs> you know, of course you're supposed to judge. Right? I can't judge your motives. I don't know what's in your heart. You're probably thinking, look at that big mouth guy right now. That's in your heart. I don't know that. Well, maybe I do. But I can judge your actions and you can judge mine. You shall know them by their fruit. Why do you think that's in the scriptures? And we're to call sin, sin. And if it's, if it's new, it ain't true. How do you like that? That's true, folks. And you know, it's, it's tough sledding. But religion is the biggest trap that the Antichrist will use until you read the end of Revelation chapter 17 when he will destroy the known religion of the day, the world religion of the day. He'll get rid of it 
Because his ultimate goal, of course, is no, you are not going to worship anyone else but me. Right? Folks, if you don't see this in Scripture, if you don't put this together, you will be fooled by the deception that's going on already in our day. It's, it's coming, folks. You Listen, I can tell you from a person that travels and does many, many churches, doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be assemblies, even though that's my heart. I always say I'll go and preach wherever I get invited. And I mean that because I love preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what, folks, I've gone into places and they said, you know what, Tony, I've never heard that before here. Never. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about hell. We don't talk about things like that. It's all tickle, 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 tickle. That's what we do. You're great. You're good. Some good is going to happen to you today. I tell you folks, that's around those, this preaching is what's going on in the churches today. You want to be healthy? You want to be wealthy? Well, then you just give me money. Not me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We thank you, Father, for this day. I thank you for these precious folks, Lord. I ask you to bless them, honor them. Father, we're living in uh, perilous times even now. Nothing compared to what uh, will happen in the book of Revelation, but we know that the persecution of the church is alive and well. It's happening in our planet already. It's coming to the U.S. of A. It's coming to Canada. There'll be real persecution if you do not return, Lord, to take us out of here first. And we realize, Father, as we look at these prophecies, that these things are coming to fruition right before our very eyes. Father, the religious system, the political system, uh, in, in opposition to you, the commercial and all these systems called Babylon, Father, are coming against you. Father, they'll be destroyed. Father, the Antichrist will destroy the religion. Uh, will chew it up and spit it out. But, oh, Father, all because you're allowing all these things to happen. It's part of your plan. Father, be with us this day. Remind us in 2016, Father, as we start a new year, that this might be the year of the return of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, that we would be ready. That our garments would be clean. That we would be uh, unspotted from this present world in which we live. Uh, we live. Father, the scriptures tell us, love not the world or the things of the world. For the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life come not from our Father in heaven, but of the, of the world. And the world and its lust are passing away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Father, help us, help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.